You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday wild card game preview edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and they did it. They really, they really did it. They had to win one game once the Mariners lost on Friday night. It took them till the ninth inning of Sunday's third game of the series against the already in the playoffs Tampa Bay Rays, but the New York Yankees pulled off a one nothing win with the first walk-off hit of Aaron Judge's career. And wouldn't you believe it, as that was happening, the Washington Nationals choked away a 5-1 lead to the Boston Red Sox and then gave up a Rafael Devers home run. And of course, the reward for the Yankees winning that game was going to Fenway on Tuesday for a one-game showdown with the stupid Boston Red Sox at 8.08 p.m. on ESPN. We're going to get you ready, even though we are not ready ourselves. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the podcast. At some point on Sunday, probably around the fifth inning, or, or maybe when Wandy Peralta was throwing the ball over the place in the fourth, I once again was resigned to the, well, you know, maybe Toronto has a better chance to beat Boston mode. And I'm glad we walked off. I'm glad it's us. But take well 2021 Yankees fashion. They don't win unless it hurts. And it's at the absolute buzzer. And that was uh, another 2021 Yankees game for game 162. The buzzer of the 2021 season. It was the yep. last possible before before we would have had to been resigned to fucking the extra the extra innings runner on second rule, which would yeah. have been an absolute more, we would have lost that one game. more strike. One 100%. more strike to Aaron Judge and then an intentional walk to Stanton yeah. and then Joey Gallo obviously strikes out with the bases loaded. <laughs> and then you get the ghost runner on second. And that is yeah. that would be how our fate would have been decided, uh-huh. which would have been embarrassing. And the the ghost runner was going to be there for the tiebreaker games too, but not the wild card game. Yeah. Which seems really fair. Yeah, uh, great. Just, to, just to give away that the rule sucks when you're like Oh, when the games matter, we're going to get rid of it. But for the one game winner take all tiebreaker that looks exactly like the wild card game, but isn't, we're going to have it. Yeah, we're, we're just going to have that. Yeah, we had um, <clears throat> we're never going to see that again. Just so you know, guys, uh, unless there's some crazy stuff that happens with the CBA, which expires on December 1st. I, I really don't think we'll ever see that rule again. I don't think the players liked it. Um, but anyway, I was I was you, you man, it took you to Sunday to start being resigned to the fact that Toronto might be the better fit against Boston on Saturday. When I was watching that game, I was like, there's, there's just no way there's no way they're going to win on Sunday. How, what, why, why would they win on Sunday? Why, why would you think they're going to win on Sunday? They Friday night, you have, it, it, it's not looking great on Friday. You're down two one. You're not stringing hits together. You can't, it, it's double. It's once again, a double play fest. You're, you're just not, you're not getting the job done. And then Aaron Boone decides to, 
punt the game down one in the later innings and go to Domingo Herman and Albert Abreu, two guys who haven't pitched yeah. in in what over a month. Uh, got to get Herman work. Yeah. Got to get Herman work. He's got to be ready for the playoffs where he he shouldn't appear. Just Don't, shouldn't appear yeah. in those either. He should be there for garbage innings at at best. Um, or unless they went a full bullpen game and literally had nobody else to throw. That's the only option I could see. The only reason I could see Domingo Herman out there. But then you go to those two guys. And you cough up two more runs. What'd you expect? The Rays are one of the best. The Rays are the, the Rays are a weird offense because they're really good and they're also really bad, but they're not bad enough to not capitalize on guys who haven't hit in uh, or haven't pitched in a very long time. And we saw what they did to Albert Abreu a couple months ago. They absolutely demoralized him and mm-hmm. we thought we'd never see him again. Um, so just a bizarre, bizarre, it, it, it was a, it was a punt. It was the classic punt that we've seen this year. It's like, oh, we're down one in the eighth. You know what? I don't know if we're going to I don't know if this high powered offense that's supposed to average like six runs a game is going to be able to get one across the plate over the next six out. So, you know, let's start start experimenting and see what's good and, and, and see what could help us out on, you know, with two games left. There's two games left in the year. So what what possibly could we uh, you know, try to mix and match and and see what could work for the postseason. Nothing. You had 160 games to already do that. Why are you doing it now? Anyway, that happens. Ray scored two more runs. Naturally, the Yankees scored two runs in the ninth to make it a 4-3 game and have the runner, the tying run in scoring position um, to get the job done. They don't. They lose the game. How many chances are you going to ask for uh for for them to cash in on in the final inning, especially against the bullpen like the Rays. Yeah, um, well, they had the tying run at second and the yeah. pitcher spot up with one out, Gary Sanchez. Yeah. Um, and uh people were rightfully mad about that. And then you have fans who are like, oh, really? We're gonna overreact about a series opening loss. It's like, dude, you you gave away the se- it, it's not if you lost the way you did on Saturday on Friday. I don't think people I think people are upset because it's like, dude, really, that's how you're going to come out after, you know, winning uh, eight of your last nine or whatever it was or seven of their last eight. Um, and you're going to lose by 10. Um, th- that would have that would have upset fans in a different way. But there, there wouldn't have been outrage as there was as there rightfully was in this because we're sitting there and you think the Yankees have a chance each and every game. You're like, OK, it's one swing of the bat, dude. We have we have Rizzo, Judge, Stanton. Even Torres is starting to heat up. A lot of the guys in the bottom of the lineup provide good at bats and, 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 and tough looks for opposing pitchers. So it's like this team always does have a chance, especially when it's a one run game. And then you don't give them the opportunity to, to, to keep it at arm's length like that. Yeah, I, fans should rightfully be mad because you just you just wave the white flag for, for reasons beyond anybody's comprehension. Um, and I thought that anger was justified. Um, I, I wasn't as mad as other people, but I did understand. Um, and then once again, I just don't I don't understand. I, I don't get defending this team when indefensible decisions are made. Uh, it, it was clearly a bad managerial decision, no matter which way you put it. There was there was no way to sit there and be like, oh, you know what? That's that's a pretty good idea. You knew you had two more games to fit these guys in in whatever capacity you knew Jamison Tyone was going on Sunday and that he was probably going to give you three innings maximum in the best case scenario. Um, So I I really, and you knew Jordan Montgomery who was going on Saturday also does, hasn't been giving you a ton of length this year. He's usually been in the five inning range. So there was an opportunity you, you could look ahead and, and see that there was an opportunity to fit both Domingo Herman and Albert Abreu at some point in on Saturday or Sunday, you decide to jump the gun and do it on Friday, set the tone completely incorrectly for the rest of this series, get bludgeoned on Saturday and then score zero runs through the first eight innings of play on Sunday and then need a walk off Aaron judge. Uh, it, w- it wasn't even a hit. It was a ground, ball. it was, it was, a, it was a rip of a ground ball that scored Tyler Wade. Um, but that was, that was, that ended up deciding it. So look, anger was justified for Friday. Nonetheless, clinched the playoff spot. We would have liked the home wild card game. I know we like things our way, guys, but the Yankees don't have things their way this year. Sorry to say uh, they massively underachieved and the Red Sox massively overachieved. And this is what we're looking at now. Um, but hey, like like we talked about heading into this nine game stretch, the Yankees could really make everything, all the bad stuff go away from this year. They went six mm-hmm. and three in those final nine to get the wild card berth, which is really all what we were looking for anyway. 
we weren't looking for home field advantage. It didn't seem realistic, especially with the Red Sox having the Orioles and the Nationals in their final six, which actually didn't go as smoothly as as we had thought it would for them. Um, but uh, beating the Red Sox on the road, man, to get to the ALDS and face the Rays, that that would certainly be something. And I think uh, it, it would make up for all the torture that we've went through for the last for the last five plus months. Oh, absolutely. I, I already had forgiven the team when the Stanton Grand Slam and the Stanton three run, two run shot, and yeah. the judge double happened. Like the, the last Red Sox series, I'd basically already forgiven them for the ups and downs um, because I thought it would be a little bit easier down the stretch. And then uh, jokes on me, it wasn't at all. It was almost impossible. <laughs> um, there, there's just there's like a sect of fandom. You're right that like I don't understand. And, and obviously this is just like this is definitely a slightly older fan yelling at a slightly new generation of fan, but I do not understand not, but like there are people who are analytically inclined online who just, who want you to not experience sports related mood swings. And I don't understand that as a viewing experience. Like I I don't, what's, where's the joy in it. If you are not living and dying, like look, manage your anxiety, like live your life, be healthy. Don't do anything dangerous. Don't like, don't get angry. But if you're, why are you watching sports if the experience for you is so measured that you trust projections so much that you know the Yankees are going to be in a playoff spot at the end of the season that you just have blind faith in the digits so that when they lose a chance to clinch a playoff spot on Friday, you're just even keeled defending indefensible decisions and saying, well, they'll win either tomorrow or Sunday. I, I guarantee it. And like, sure, they did. Great. But there's a, like, First of all, there's a real world benefit to winning earlier and winning two of the three games. And that's you would have hosted this game at Yankee Stadium instead of having to go to Fenway Park. So it's not like people are angry for no reason that they lost on Friday and won on Sunday. The Sunday win doesn't absolve the fact that they lost a winnable game because they threw Domingo Herman on Friday for no reason because he needed work, even though he didn't need work and then could have gotten work on Saturday. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly fine to be upset by that because there were tangible real world consequences for those decisions, for the way the Yankees played on Friday night, they had to win Sunday and they did and they're in and that's great. But if they'd won two, they would be playing this game at home. Understandably, it's not a death sentence to go on the road, but there was a benefit to winning both of those games. So it's not fun to be told you shouldn't care, don't care. They're still going to win, you know, just emotionless victory. We've seen so many times that the best managers are combined galvanizers of their roster and analytical thinkers. Alex Cora is a great manager because he is willing to, in game 162, throw Eduardo Rodriguez and Nick Pavetta out of the bullpen. And he's going to throw starters out of the bullpen in the wild card game too, and however long the Red Sox advance. And it's smart. He uses his best pitchers to get outs. But at the same time, he is clearly someone the players identify with love to listen to. He knows how to motivate them. He is both a master motivator and a hunch haver and also an analytical thinker who uses the data assigned to him to make the best possible decisions. Aaron Boone does not do that. Um, Aaron Boone does a poor job of interpreting the data if he is receiving it and he does nothing to motivate his team. Most of the motivation seems to come from Aaron Judge. I think that much is plainly obvious. Um, This was, yeah, another, just another weekend of being told not to be upset that they couldn't clinch on Friday or on Saturday and just to have blind faith in the projection system, which it's just no way to go through a season. I don't know why you would even watch sports if you prefer projections to game action. The the most interesting part of sports is that despite all the predictions and all the projections, there's still a degree of unpredictability. Gio Urshela caught a pop fly with two outs in the sixth inning yesterday and ran full bore into the dugout, slamming into a wall or a bench didn't get helped by any of the rays ended up very much getting hurt. I I think they said he got a thigh bruise or something. We thought his leg was going to be backwards the next time we saw him, but he walked off the field. That was incredible. There is nothing about a projection system that can encapsulate that play. The emotion in that play, the devotion to winning shown by one man on the field, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, nobody should be over. Nobody should be dangerously overreacting to any given game. Regular season is very long, but this, motionless world where you're just supposed to stare at a bad game and go, you know, odds say it's going to even out tomorrow. That's not how it goes. Odds said the Mets were going to clinch the NL East in August and they went 77 and 85. So like projections are good. Projections are great. Love them. But like fan graphs projections had the Yankees in a, at, you know, 98% chance to make the playoffs at the end of August. And by September 12th, it was like 43, like, cause they lost a ton of games. They shouldn't have lost. 
and it happened and things changed. But, you know, if, if you live your life based on based on odds and projections, then you're living a very emotionless existence. And that's not what the fandom experience is supposed to be. Fandom is supposed to be about moments like facing extreme tension in that winner take all do or die. Basically. I mean, it really was a winner take all yeah. the, the, po- the potential of a tiebreaker was comfort entering Saturday's game. Cause you're like, we're locked. Once you saw the Mariners loss, you say we're locked into something. So today matters. Today matters a lot. We want to clinch, but today matters less than tomorrow, which would matter less than a hypothetical tiebreaker. But until it is Sunday, knowing on Saturday you have a tiebreaker ahead of you is some level of comfort. And then as soon as the game starts and it's three, nothing in the first inning, that comfort is out the window. Cause that's no longer feels like a competitive game. So you're already thinking ahead to, we failed today. We're going to fail Sunday at which point we're going to fail on Monday too. And the two way tiebreaker for the second spot was nerve wracking enough. The three way tiebreaker there. What's the point in even entering that you have to win two games to make the wild card game at Fenway park. You have to beat the, you know, the Mariners and Toronto to head to Fenway. You know, your your prize for playing this road tournament gauntlet is going to a place you don't really want to go anyway. I am, you know, there's there's a lot to avoid there once you really get in the weeds and realize the tiebreaker is not just that you're assured play tomorrow. It's that you're assured a lot of additional play um, like way, way, way down the line, wild travel. You know, you're trying to bring Bronxy north of the border and then back to America, and then back <laughs> to Boston. Um, there are so many benefits to not having to do that. We let, Let's take a quick break now and then talk about Sunday's game, though, because it really does earn the, like, game of the year Ken Singleton farewell plaudits. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Game 162. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Welcome back to the Inks Go Yard podcast. That was three plus of the most intense hours you'll ever experience. The Yankees should have probably lost it in the third and the fourth and definitely the eighth. They didn't get a runner two second, not past second, two second until Tyler Wade in the ninth. Thomas Carinante, did you think they were losing? And at what point did you think they were the closest to losing? Uh, yeah, I thought um, I thought they were going to cough it up in the middle innings, but uh, the Wandy Peralta inning really was just I was just like, great, okay, this is it, and now they're going to have to come from behind, and it's not going to happen. So we never do that against uh, nope. the Rays. Against yeah. everybody else, we actually do. It's weird, mm-hmm. but not against the Rays. Yeah, I mean, heading into this one, I wasn't entirely optimistic because for some reason, Michael Walker and his five ERA just we can't hit him. I, I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's his pitch mix that fools these hitters. I don't know if it's a superior scouting report that the Rays have on the Yankees that he's able to navigate successfully and get through these guys. But the man, the man throws 56 pitches through five innings and you're just like, what? No runs, one hit, one walk. I I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. We have an assortment of all stars once again in a must win game and nobody's doing anything completely silent. Once again, embarrassing. Um, But Hey, you got to give props to where they're due. Jameson Tyone injured ankle three and a third inning. No earned runs did exactly what he was asked to do. Awesome. Um, Aaron Boone mostly managed this thing successfully. I'd say, um, I I think the only thing people were kind of upset about was, was the clay Holmes, Chad green green switch. Um, but, uh, he managed it like a playoff game. He used six pitchers, uh, went to Loisga exactly when he needed to, uh, saved the ninth for Chapman and ended up working out because we got the run in the bottom of the ninth and shut the door. I think the extra innings get a lot uglier um, and I don't think I'm alone there. At least I hope I'm not alone there because that would mean that you're not really watching Yankees baseball this Mm -hmm. year. Um, But yeah, I thought we were, uh, you, you, you've seen enough games like this, this like this in 2021 when, when they're not scoring, when, when it's, when you simulate innings one through five and you're like, okay, just like take me to the seventh and let me know what the score is then. 
and it's zero zero or like it's one zero the opponent and the, the the onus is on the Yankees to score a run or vice versa. Maybe the Yankees are up one nothing in the seventh and the onus is on the Yankees to hold a very tight lead um, with a bullpen that hasn't entirely been its characteristic self for the entire year. So, yeah, this was Taylor made Yankees. This is Taylor made Yankees loss, which is why everybody was on the edge of their seat. But I also got to give props to Yankee Stadium, man. I was watching that game on TV and they were into it every pitch. Yet let's go Yankees chance the entire time, um, regardless of the situation. Uh, everybody on their feet. And that's the kind of energy you need in the Bronx. That's the kind of energy you need at a home game in a must win situation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we live to see another day. Aaron Boone is. Uh, Aaron Boone is is on the the good list right now for the for the way in which he he handled that one. Um, and uh, of course, the Yankees coming through in the ninth uh, Ruben Odor bloop single um, Glaber Torres deep fly ball that we thought would have been a home run. Taylor, uh, Tyler Wade tags up Anthony Rizzo rips uh, a single and runs on o- over to second with the throw going home. And then judge with his first career, I guess, walk off hit, as I mentioned before, uh, off the glove of Andrew Kittredge bounces over to second. Too much time for Tyler Wade to get to home plate. Slides in head first. Sexy win. Everyone's celebrating. Uh, and then the champagne shower. So, um, yeah, I was certainly not feeling good about this. But uh, then the ninth kind of relieved all that pressure. Um, and now we're looking ahead to Boston. But I don't want to be involved in one of these again. I want to I want to actually do our job as an offense and, and get hits off the opposing pitchers, um, especially when when they're largely inferior um, and just be the Bronx Bombers because that's what this team's all about. Now they're in the playoffs. Now we, this is all we've been waiting for, just the chance because the chance to get there because when the Yankees are at their best, when they could flip that on-off switch, which I guess they could just randomly do, they can pretty much beat anybody. So, um, yeah, uh, here we are. Let's go, and I don't want to feel this anymore. I'm glad that it's, it's, it's either going to be an epic run or it's going to end soon. Well, I mean, there is something to be said for reaching the playoffs with this team, this team that was 41 and 40, this team that was basically 500 at the break and then added Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo. And then it didn't get any better, really, for two weeks. And then it got way better and turned into a 13 game winning streak. And then it got much worse. And if they had just won one of the four home games against Toronto, we wouldn't have had to sweat this out. Or if they had just held on to the 7-2 lead or if they had just held on to you know, the four nothing Domingo Herman no hitter game. There are a million missed opportunities that could have prevented it from coming down to 162. But thank God 162 was as interesting as it was. There was tension beginning yeah. to end. There were runners on base for the Rays. Um, shout out to Tyone. Obviously, runners on the corners, one out getting Randy Arena swinging, and then Wander Franco on a little fly ball to the left. Shout out to Wani Peralta finding himself in the middle of an inning where he entered with absolutely no control, at which point I was mad at Aaron Boone because it did just feel like Tyone wasn't supposed to give you more than two innings, but then he gave you three innings, but then he gave you three and a third. And it was like premeditated pullout. Great. And Wandy comes in and has absolutely nothing. He's walking people. He's, you know, he, he, I mean, he gives up this ridiculous lefty lefty dink to, to Austin Meadows. And this series turned almost twice on, on just stupid bloops. I mean, the, the winning run in in Friday's game was Kevin Kiermaier just putting the bat on a ball in the other batter's box, looping it over Gio Urshela at shortstop who didn't seem to track it right and isn't a shortstop and didn't really know, you know, where the pop-up was. And then obviously Jonathan Loisaga, who, who finally back from injury, didn't, you know, unable to pitch with no restrictions, you know, clearly they're monitoring him, etc. Just don't want him to go back to back. He comes in and, and, you know, there's, there's a runner at third, uh, thanks to, a dribbler down the left field line that Gary can't pick up a stolen base where Gary has the runner beaten and throws high to second uh, advances on a deep fly out to Joey Gallo. Who's off his in, he's on his incorrect feet throwing to third. So Randy Rosarina is at third with one out suddenly in the eighth after doing basically nothing to, to earn a, a base at all, like proving how crazy it was that the Yankees didn't have base runners on as well, because you know, Randy and Austin Meadows and somebody else, Brandon Lau. No, oh God, I think it was Brandon Lau who just popped one into left field too earlier in the game. And it was like, well, there's nobody there. Great. Cool. Wonderful. Um, they had three of the easiest, dinkiest hits you'll ever see in that game. Uh, but Nelson Cruz up with Randy on third one out in a scoreless game. And Loisaga got him on a tailing fastball mm. like 97 off inside off the plate. 
Um, and then obviously Gio Urshela, uh, heroic beyond heroic with that diving catch. Um, I'm not sure I would start him at shortstop. I'm going to use that as a jumping off point for the Fenway game, just because I don't know if I would start him at shortstop in the wildcard game with that limited range of motion. It felt like they were getting, they got off really lucky in the sixth, seventh and eighth, keeping Gio Urshela on the field. Um, because when he grounded out later in his one at bat, he, he could barely walk to first. He was sort of yeah. hobbling and, and, you know, somehow no grounders were hitting the shortstop hole in the seventh or eighth. And if they had been, we probably would have noticed that, Oh, this guy has no lateral quickness whatsoever. Um, I was sort of stunned. They left him in. Obviously he's been hot with the bat lately in a way that maybe fans haven't noticed because it came you know, during such a Giancarlo Stanton dominated streak, Aaron judge dominated streak or has been hot for probably like three weeks now, um, which is kind of, again, kind of nuts sort of under the radar, but you know, they kept him in and he wanted to stay in. You're not going to go against your players wishes, but um, I'm not sure I would start him at Fenway park in a do in another do or die in a do or die postseason game. I, I certainly wouldn't start him at short. I don't think I, I would go, uh, you know, they, they don't have DJ LeMahieu. That's just a fact of life. So you're going to have to start either Rugnet Odor at third or Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez at short. I do Velasquez at short or Shell at third, presuming uh, he's healthy enough to play third base. You want him in the lineup if he can be in the lineup. Even an injured Urshela is probably better than Devers at third base defensively. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, we're glossing over the fact that it's going to be the Red Sox again. It's going to be the Red Sox again. The Yankees are going to have to turn it into basically a clean four-game sweep in order to move on. The Red Sox believe in themselves. The Red Sox have this you know, cocky, ridiculous attitude. But again, almost the same position they entered last week's series in. Mm-hmm. Last week, the Red Sox were magical. The Red Sox farts were gold and perfume. Um, the Red Sox were wearing yellow jerseys after having just beaten up on the Mets and Orioles at home. That's who the Boston Red Sox were when the Yankees began their three-game sweep last week. This time, the Boston Red Sox just swept a three-game series on the road against the Washington Nationals. They almost lost on Saturday, and they should have lost on Sunday if the Nationals had any sort of bullpen, which they don't because they're not 69-97. and 97 or whatever the hell, like they're a terrible baseball team. So there's a reason why they lost that game. They're bad, but the Red Sox are coming in thinking they're magic again. So how is that going to translate? Is it going to translate the way it did? You know, is it going to translate the way it does in their dreams where it's three, nothing Red Sox in the bottom of the first, or does it translate the way it did last week when quickly they are shell shocked into reality by the Yankees scoring runs off Nathan Evaldi, who's pitching again, in the top of the first, and they realize, oh, we just did a bunch of damage against the worst teams in Major League Baseball. Where do we go from here? Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it's on Garrett Cole's shoulders, isn't it? Yep. I, I think the Red Sox are kind of limping into this one more so than the Yankees are. At the end, the Yankees went 6-3 and three against three 90-win teams, um, including two series wins and one sweep to, to control their playoff destiny. Um, the Red Sox got swept by the Yankees, lost the series to the O's, and then made things a lot more interesting than they, than they needed to against arguably. I mean, I know the nationals have a couple of good players, but over the second half of the season, this team has turned out to be arguably the worst in baseball. Um, So I don't, and they're pitching like, once again, we talked about it heading into the series uh, at Fenway uh, 10 days ago. You're not going to convince me anything of this pitching. It's, it's not a good staff. Chris sale, has been given cupcake start after cupcake start, and he hasn't been able to handle the last two that he's been out there for. Um, that leaves Nathan Eovaldi as your best pitcher, who I think is a very good pitcher, who I just don't think is a guy you put in a do-or-die game. I could be proven wrong because we don't know what to expect from Garrett Cole because his last four starts have featured a 6.35 ERA and a 1.59 whip um, since we don't really know what's wrong with his hamstring. But... Um, if the Yankees can get some sort of an early lead and give Cole cushion and let him control the pace and help uh, give him more time to hit his spots. Um, I, I think this game's the, in the Yankees favor. Uh, so, and the Yankees are the Yankees. The difference between the Yankees and the Red Sox here is that the Yankees have kind of been fighting all year against the media, against the fan base, um, against the expectations that were laid out there for them because they weren't achieving anything. They were treading water. Um, They needed a tremendous month of August 
um, and a blistering end to in over the final two weeks of the season to survive and clinch to clinch a spot, mind you, in a one game do or die playoff to advance to the real playoffs. I mean, the wild card. It's fun, guys. It's a blast. It's not really the playoffs. You're not going to convince me it's really the playoffs. You need to get to the DS for it to the, for actually. That's that's my opinion. Um, this is not a success for the Yankees. This the Yankees should have won the division. Um, the Yankees should have showed the Rays who's boss once and for all after the race had gotten worse. Um, so this very much the Yankees have a lot to prove and they need to get the job done by winning this wild card game and getting to the DS where they, where they should have been any, where they, they should have been anyway to begin with. Um, and one other thing I'm just tired of before we get, before we get into this game, is like Devers after the game yesterday, just you know, no one believed in us before the season and halfway through the season, dude, like you overachieved and you were like nine games better than the projections. And you're in a one game do or die playoff to, to get to the next step in, in a largely weakened AL. It's not like you were projected to win the division. and Everyone's like, Oh yeah, we're overrating the Sox this year. I think, uh, I think somebody else is going to come up and, 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 and really expose them for who they are. It's like y- your roster was purposefully made worse over the last two years with the trades and transactions that were made. Um, and uh, you were one of the four worst teams in major league baseball during the short in 2020. Um, so yeah, I mean, you had, you were projected to still be a team with a winning record. I don't know who out there was doubting the Boston Red Sox. They, everyone was just like, yeah, the Boston Red Sox don't have their ACE cause he's out for most of the year. They didn't really patch up their starting rotation or their bullpen. Um, and they replaced Mookie Betts and, uh, they replaced Mookie Betts with Hunter Renfro and they added Kike Hernandez. So uh, yeah, I mean, they should probably be a fine team. Uh, just sick of this Boston underdog bullshit. Um, it's the same thing as like talking about how the Red Sox don't have a high payroll, which is just not true. The Red Sox are not underdogs. They've won four world championships over the last 17 years. Uh, that's not what underdogs do. Underdogs probably win one once every 30 or 20 something years. Uh, so Devers, I mean, the, in my opinion, Devers postgame comments should give the Yankees all the more fuel um, to beat them because the Yankees have to be sick of hearing this from them too. Uh, just ridiculous. You just had a 108 win season coast to coast world series victory three years ago. Not even, not even three full years ago yet. We're, we're approaching the three year mark of that, of that uh, obvious, arguably one of the greatest seasons in MLB history. And you're going to sit here and tell us that nobody believed in you. Yeah. I mean, the belief was a little bit, uh, was a little bit, um, not it just wasn't as magnified because you lost the your MVP candidate because your front office or ownership decided it was no longer it, it was not appropriate to pay the man. So you trade your best player and then you decide you're doing you're engaging in all these cost cutting efforts to become the Rays who have been largely better than you over the last five years anyway because of their consistency. Hey, they've been better than the Yankees for the last five years in terms of consistency. So I just don't know where this narrative is coming from. I'm sick of hearing it. If anything, nobody believed in the Yankees after like the first two months of the season. They were the laughing stock of the league. Nobody. Red Sox fans telling us the season was over in June. Um, So, yeah, I just wanted to get that in there. And uh, because like, I don't know how this continually, no matter who joins the Red Sox, it's everybody's got this chip on their shoulder. Everyone's no one believes in us. Oh, man. Yeah, we're we're out there to prove something. I, I wear where, where is this coming from? I don't know who's feeding it to them to convince them of it, but God, I, I would just love, love more that the Yankees have to get revenge for 2018. Um, because that was, that was one of their years that was supposed to be their year. And it, and it just didn't turn out in that fashion and the Red Sox spoiled it. Um, so it'd be great. It'd really be great to just end this once and for all uh, because, Hey, if the Red Sox want to come into the series, thinking they're the other do- underdogs. Awesome, dude. You should start playing like the favorites. If you want to win then. I know who's feeding it to them. It's their fired manager who was fired for cheating and came back uh, after cheating. <laughs> the guy who got fired for cheating and is now managing them again after after cheating big time in two places. That's just interesting. Um, yeah, you're adorable. You're adorable underdogs. That That's the uh, major. Everybody is watching Yankees, Red Sox, and, and all of America is so excited to root on their favorite underdogs. 
who have not lost a playoff series to the Yankees since 2003, um, facing the Yankees, who are the big bad Yankees, who, again, have not won a playoff series against the Red Sox since 2003. Red Sox fans have this ridiculous DNA. Oh, my God, I'm freaking at Yankees, Red Sox at Fenway Park. This is torture. My heart, my heart can't take it. Again, you beat us in 2004. You beat us in 2018. We have not played in the playoffs in between then. You won the World Series in 2004, 2007, 2013, and 2018. Enough. Enough. Yeah. Enjoy the wins, but enough of this. You are not the underdogs. You do not. You're like, why are you supposed to be more nervous than us? Why is your pain real and our pain is not? You've won a ton of World Series. Just be, just be cocky. You, be, if you're going to be a Red Sox fan, be, you've earned every right to be cocky. You win a lot. It's amazing. I hope we can knock you off your pedestal, not the other way around. Someday, maybe Boston fans will realize they root for the Patriots, who are the Yankees. They root for the Red Sox, who've been the Yankees since 2003. And we root for the Yankees, who've been the pre-2003 Red Sox since 2004. <laughs> it's just true. You have two Yankees in your group of teams that you root for. We have the Yankees who have been tarnished since 2003. It's been a long time since the New York Yankees have been the New York Yankees. And it would be nice if the New York Yankees were the New York Yankees again. Do we even want to do predictions for this game? Because I... Don't even want like I don't even want to stick my neck out. I I am definitely exhaling that they're here. And there were times this season when I said I would rather them not make the wild card game than have to play it at Fenway, etc. The Red Sox were a different team at that point, yeah, for sure. Um, again, the Rafael Devers saying nobody believed in it. No, nobody believed you could hold on to the AL East, and you didn't. <laughs> you didn't do that when you were like six game when you were nine and a half games up on the Aggies and three games up on the Rays people were like I don't think the Red Sox are going to hold the division and you were like nobody believes in us let's go out there and not do that and finish eight games behind Tampa You're not even close not even in the ballpark and then you were nine and a half games up on the Aggies at some point and then you ended up three back of us and then you eventually evened it up but I mean you didn't hold us off and you didn't hold Tampa off and Tampa destroyed you so we weren't saying we don't, but nobody on earth when the Red Sox jumped out to like a 25 games over 500 first half, nobody was like, I don't believe the Red Sox can win 92 games in the first wild card. People were starkly saying they didn't think you could hold on to the division and you didn't. You collapsed in August and September. It was in fact large. It was like one of those big collapses that happened. Yeah. So I know <laughs> the Yankees can handle their business. Theoretically, I know there's a world where the Yankees can win this game and handle their business. But of course, there is another world again that we've seen so many times since 2004, even though Red Sox fans want to believe they're still waiting for their singular moment in the sun in the Yankees Red Sox rivalry. It's almost like 2004 exists in movies and all the interim play is actual base. Like 2004 was a film franchise and all the other Yankees Red Sox battles are baseball games. Um, it's it's insane. It's a crazy way to believe. The last time we played each other in the playoffs, you beat us 16-1 at Yankee Stadium and Brock Holt hit for the cycle. And yet you still have the audacity to be like, um, somebody check me. I mean, I'm going to be in a straight jacket for Yankees Red Sox. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you get it, you get it. It will be a yet another title that you have gotten over us. If you don't get it, your life will be fine. Heim Bloom in year one of a rebuild got you 92 wins in a wild card and the fourth overall pick. Who's the best prospect in the draft. So trust me, you're going to be okay. Um, yeah, I have no patience for for Red Sox fans on the timeline, and they have no patience for me because nobody wants to hear from a Yankee fan that they've been aggrieved at all. But it is true. We have more chokes against the Red Sox than they have chokes against us since I was 13. It's just a fact. It's a longstanding fact. And you can like it or not, and I think most people don't like it. And when Yankee fans complain about the Yankees, it definitely sounds like the 2005 to 2014 Patriots fans being like, you don't even understand. Of course we're good, but the losses we've experienced are crazy. And then like Royals, Jaguars fans are like, shut the fuck up. With good reason. Like fully yeah. with good reason. Absolutely yeah. with good reason. But that's the thing. I can take a shut the fuck up from a Mets fan or an A's fan or a fan of a team that isn't in the playoffs eight out of 10 years battling for a title. I can't take a shut the fuck up from a Red Sox fan who has objectively been more blessed over the last decade and has endured seasons that came out of 
much less like way lower expectations sure the red sox have had worse seasons than us 2014 red sox were horrible 2020 red sox were god awful for 60 games but that should lend more credence to the fact that they of course they made an amazing comeback the next year of course they made an amazing comeback in 2016 and 2017 and 2018 just like naturally that happened that's what the red sox do they bounce back from trash i would definitely rather have been trash once and gotten a high draft pick than been 84 and 78 like the yankees were in 2013 and 2014 when andy pettit Derek jeter mariano rivera were all retiring making me depressed anyway yeah this is going to be a barn burner or it's going to be a Red Sox blowout. Those are the only two options I see, quite frankly. And this is, again, speaking as the kind of Yankee fan that objective non-Red Sox and non-Yankee fans don't want to listen to speak. But guess what? I have a podcast and you chose to listen to it. I don't know why you did, but you did. Either it is going to be a 6-3 Yankee lead in the eighth, and the Red Sox put second and third with no outs, and Jonathan Loisaga has to fight out of it. And then Aroldis Chapman walks the first two batters of the ninth. And it's 6-4, first and second, no outs. Hunter Renfro bangs uh, a grounder. They can't turn the double play. It's second and third, one out, and then they, and they have to get out of it. Either that happens and the Yankees win 6-4, or Garrett Cole gets blasted, and it feels like 2018 for one night only at Fenway Park, and it's 7 nothing in the fourth, and we're all just checked out very early and resigned while listening to Red Sox fans say, I can't believe this actually happened for the first time ever. This happened. Um, and then the Red Sox get a rude awakening when they face the Rays, who are much better than they are. Um, those are, for me, the only two options. Either the Yankees win 6-4 and it's terrifying, or the Red Sox romp. Yeah, I mean, this is not going uh, to be easy for the Yankees. Um, yeah, and one more thing, like the Red Sox fans, just like, Stop hanging on. Stop hanging on. You can't have both narratives. You can't have the narratives where you're winning all the time and be the underdog. It's one or the other. And you've been winning all the time recently. So that's that's narrative that has been bestowed upon you. And then, you know what? If you go on another 86 year curse, you can embrace the underdog role again. Um, it'll be fun for all. Uh, but you look at this game and Evaldi usually handles the Yankees. Very uncharacteristic outing for him um, two Fridays ago. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. We all loved it. It was a fun time. Uh, do I think that's going to happen again? No, probably not. Um, it would be great if it did, though. It would take a lot of pressure off Garrett Cole, who obviously pitches better when he has early run support. Um, Garrett Cole has not been great against the Red Sox this year. Nope. Uh, his first start in late June, five innings, five earned. Then comes July, quality start, six innings, um, one earned run. That was a, a shortened doubleheader. Um, he got the complete game there. Um, next start a week later against Boston, five innings, three earned. They lose six two. Um, and then of course he has this outing against Boston uh, two Fridays ago, six innings, three earned. His only blemish on the day with a seven zero lead at that point um, was a three run homer to Rafi Devers. Um, very good start, five hits, three walks. He's obviously hobbled. There is something wrong. I thought it was. I thought it was a gutsy start from him. The Yankees needed six innings from him. They couldn't burn the bullpen early in that series, given who, uh, given the other pitchers they were they were tossing on Saturday and Sunday. Um, do I necessarily think he'll repeat that? I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at if the Yankees are going to win this game, it's going to be of the yeah. I, I I actually in my mind had a five three win, um, and I got Cole go throwing like 105 pitches through five innings, and then you got four innings of the bullpen, and it's not mm -hmm. not one second of it is going to be fun. Um, the other scenario is Cole gets chased. He's given up two, three runs in the first couple innings. The Yankees are playing from behind. You have all these pitching relaxed. The Yankees don't play well from behind, at least this year. I don't know why. Um, and it probably gets out of hand and it's not fun and it's really not what you want. So the Yankees really have to be careful in this one. Um, Cole really has to manage, um, whatever might be bothering him. Once again, we don't know. We're not getting any information, although you'd be crazy to say that he's not. Ever since that hamstring injury, he's actually gotten more rest. I think he had, what, seven days of rest before his next start after that hamstring injury on September 7th or whatever it was. Yeah, September 7th. Um, and then he he had that laboring start against the O's, 108 pitches in five innings, and he gets destroyed by Cleveland. And then he has that solid start against Boston, and then he gets shelled by Toronto. Um, so what he's going to have to look out for in this one if the Red Sox are smart, they'll follow the blueprint of the Blue Jays. They jumped on his fastballs. They didn't let him get ahead in the count. Um, 
I don't think the Red Sox lineup is his that is as good and as aggressive as Toronto's. Obviously, yes, they have good hitters. Um, but uh, for the mo- uh, like, for example, the, the Toronto's offense scares me a lot more than Boston's does. Um, that's that's just my opinion. That's yeah, not they're shade. better. Yeah, it's it's not shade at the Red Sox. It's just you watch you watch those guys hit, and it, it's a it's very different. I know. Uh, Xander Bogarts, uh, uh, Rafael Devers, and, and JD Martinez are pretty much all world class talents. Um, but uh, we've seen them a lot over the years. You can get them out um, with, with the correct approach and with the correct matchups. Obviously, yes, the same can be said about everything. But uh, after after being able to neutralize them in some capacity over the last four or five years, um, it, it's a little bit less scary as opposed to the unpredictability of the Blue Jays, who were just swinging lumber up there, ready to smash one back in your face. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. It's one of those two outcomes uh, and the Yankee, the good news here is that they're going to have a well-rested bullpen. If Cole can only go four or five, uh, depending on what the pitch count situation is, um, or depending on if his hamstrings, or if something's bothering him, um, they'll have the necessary reinforcements to do so. Remember Michael King's here. If you want to use him for a couple innings, that's possible. Um, but yeah, it's either way. It's not going to be fun. You're going to be, it's going to be edgier seat edge of your seat type deal. We're, we're not going to be witnessing kind of the, uh, the, the, the win we had uh, two Fridays ago and then car- and then be able to carry that momentum into Saturday and Sunday. It's one game. Both of these teams are kind of limping into this. Although I think the Yankees do have more of the momentum um, and it's going to be a battle of the managers. That's what it's going to come down to. And you got to hope that Aaron Boone brings his a game uh, because this one's going to, this one's going to require a lot of tinkering. It's going to require a, he's going to have to set a good lineup for this one. It's got to be a very calculated strategic lineup. Um, and then he's got to be able to make the right bullpen decisions, right guys in right spots. He's got to read the room. He's got to read the personalities. Um, so depends what you're feeling. Depends who you trust more. You trust the Cole or Evaldi more. You trust the Yankees bullpen more or the Red Sox bullpen more. You trust the Yankees offense more, or the Red Sox offense more. I think more of those categories lend advantage to the Yankees. But like we said, We've seen the Red Sox do this to us a million times. Not going to be surprised if it bounces the other way. There definitely is one more version of the game that I forgot, which is the version of the game where Garrett Cole is amazing through six innings and it's like three nothing. And the MLB official account just tweets like Garrett Cole is a problem. And all of Yankees Twitter is like, I thought Garrett Cole was hurt, though. And then everybody's doing a victory lap and then nobody realizes it's the sixth inning. And then suddenly the Red Sox have the bases loaded in the seventh and everybody has to just tweet other stuff like, um, yeah. And then like an hour later, you're like, remember when Garrett Cole was pitching in this game? Because fuck, like that's <laughs> definitely that's definitely a version of this game, too, that I forgot. And hopefully that's not the one that occurs. You know what? I started this pod by with an impassioned defense of having passion and fandom in the middle part. I started screaming at Red Sox fans for having the same level of passion they did pre-2004 and acting like they haven't been where they are. And you know what? Fandom is irrational. Fandom should be irrational. I don't begrudge Red Sox fans for feeling like the Yankees always get their goat, even though it's absolutely not true. And I just don't want to see it. That's I don't want to read it. You can do it in your group chats. I don't want to look at it. It's bad because it's not true. But I understand why you feel that way. And you know what? Upset of the century, I prefer that type of Red Sox fandom to Yankee fandom that reads the projections and says, the Yankees will theoretically win one of the next two games. We are okay. Life is good. Uh, Baseball is not played on paper. Baseball is scary. And get ready for a scary-ass spectacle on Tuesday night. There was certainly a time when I didn't want this. I would have preferred the Red Sox and Blue Jays fall into a game 163 for sure. But if you think there wasn't a a good chance the Yankees were losing a home wildcard game too, um, that was very possible. A, a home field advantage would not have cinched a win. It is what it is. At some point over the last two weeks, I decided that I want this wildcard game no matter where it is. I'm ready, and it's happening. Fenway Park, very spooky. Hope some of you are going to the game. I would not be caught dead there. Best of luck to y'all who are making the trip. That is it for this Monday wild card game edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it, and we will be back on Wednesday with a blowout reaction to whatever the hell happens. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. Guys, I'm fucking ready. I want this. This is fun. Rivalry in October, 
chance to redeem ourselves for 2018. It's all there. It's all laid out right there for us to take it. Let's do it, baby. Talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. You can head on over to YanksGoYard.com, read all the content we got there for you. A lot of playoff stuff. We're getting excited. I mean, we already been excited, but hopefully we have some more uh, inflammatory content to get the fan base riled up because we still have uh, still have what? 36 hours until we get this thing going. So, um, yeah, Uh, everyone head on over there. Talk to us there. Uh, We'll talk to you next on Wednesday. And hopefully that means our playoff lives have been extended to face the Rays in the ALDS. Oh, and I want the raise, by the way. And don't, the raise. don't clip this if the Yankees get the raise and get destroyed. Like, oh, you wanted the raise? Yeah, I mean, they're what's ahead of us. I want them. I don't care what they do to us. I just want to have that one or two days ahead of that series where I can go, yeah, baby, we're getting the raise. So, Yankees, I bet you win on Tuesday. We'll see you. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door, check window, check other window. Rest chin on ground, look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door, check window, check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.